Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org So practice, you got to do practice, I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being gone. It's more like an ability to let go. Ta-da! <laughs> I'm taking over. Good morning, everybody. It's always morning somewhere, and that's usually wherever I am. <sighs> so we're still here. Amazing. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's okay. Let's just, uh, I'll do the Hanumat Stoman as we start. As you know, this is a prayer to Hanuman and um, a short prayer, and it describes many of the qualities that he has and many of the, the things that he's accomplished and the things that he did. First, I'll sing it, and then I'll point one, another thing out to you at the end. Pranam pavana kumar kalavana pavaka gyanagam jasuhradagad asinirama sarachapadhara patulita baladhama himshala badeham anujavana krishanam Gyaninam Draganyam Sakalagunanadhanam Vanaranam Adisham Ragupati Priyabhaktam Patajatam Naman Goshpadi Kritvarisham Mashiki Kritarakshasam Ramayanam Mahamalaratnam Andena Lakmajam Anjana Nandanam Viram Janaki Shokanashanam Kapisamakshantaram Ande Lanka Bayankaram Langisindho Salilam Salilam Yashokahi Janakatmaja Adayatana Dadalanka Namamitam Pranjaliranjaneam Manojavam Marutatulya Vegam Jitendriam Udhimatam Burdhistam Atatmajam Vanarutamukham Shri Ramadutam Sharanam Prapadhyay. 
ಶ್ರೀರಾಮದೂತಂ ಶರಣ ಪ್ರಪದ್ಯೆ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮದೂತಂ ಶರಣ ಪ್ರಪದ್ಯೆ ಆಂಜನೇಮತಿಪಾತಲಾನಂಚನದಕ್ಕಮಣೇವಿಗ್ರಹಂಪಡಿಜಾತರುಮೂಢವಾಸನಂ I don't have the book here, but the last couple of verses really struck me very strongly, powerfully at one time, many years ago. It describes Hanuman sitting at the foot of this tree, uh, a special tree called Parijata tree, which I think is a, supposed to be up in heaven somewhere and it describes him as sitting there with his eyes full of tears of bhav of love for ram and i understood that this is this is his uh, this is how he is he's his he's always in that feeling in that flow of grace uh with ram with ram and it's only when he has to do some service that he manifests whatever is necessary to serve and to to serve ram and to serve to destroy suffering but when he's not being asked to serve or there's nothing to do he's sitting there lost in love all the time this prayer is really like a visualization like they have in in buddhism in vajrayana where you visualize a being and you you commune with that being so this is really very much a visualization for hanuman but for me maharaj is hanuman and someone once asked me uh, some baba in india asked me you know who's your ishta devata who's your who do you worship you know i said well my guru and he was oh very good very good so we see hanuman we see maharaji as hanuman he's always engaged in helping people all the time everything Dada used to say he has two blankets an outer blanket and an inner blanket the outer blanket hides his body from us because he was always taking people's karmas and having sores and stuff on his body that would come and go and disappear there's a beautiful story in Dada's book uh I forget which one it must be I think it's in by his, in the near and the dear and if you haven't read those two books they're extraordinary by his grace and the near and the dear by dada mukherji dada was one of his wonderfully close extraordinary devotees and we spent a lot of time with him over the years 
after Maharaji left the body. And uh, he describes how one time when Maharaji was away, he had knelt down at the tucket in the bedroom where Maharaji stayed in his house. And um, he used to rub the leg of the bed, of the tucket, the bed. And in his mind, without even really thinking about it, he took it as Maharaji's leg. You know, he would just, it wasn't a big thing. It was just, you know, he would bow down and hold, hold the, the leg of the bed. And uh, one day as he touched the leg of the bed, he came across a, a rough spot, like a, a sh uh, with splinters and little uh, rough place on the, the leg that he had never felt before. And it occurred to him that, now, wait a second, he said, if this is, if I take this as Maharaji's leg, if I'm really plugged into Maharaji and I believe and I, I, I experience this as his leg when I touch it, and now there's a, 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 a damaged part of it that I never felt before, what, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that he, there's some problem with his leg? And he began to like flip out and, you know, obsess about this. And he was like having a meltdown. Like now, if it's his leg and I feel this, then he must, it must be true. He must have something wrong with his leg. But if it's just all my imagination, then what is this all thing with Murtis and, you know, images of the deities? Are they just my, our imagination or is there some reality to it? Can they possibly be? Um, a manifestation of the of the real thing, or are they just like our way of pacifying ourselves? So he was really going on and on about this in his head, and then sometime later, Maharaji came. Maybe it was one of his unannounced visits. He he arrives at Dada's house, and he goes into the room and sits down, and Dada's with him, and. Uh, you must read it from Dada because it's so much better. But uh, he, at one point, Maharaji was sitting there without without his blanket or something like that, or his blanket opened up, and Dada saw on his leg a sore, an actual sore on his leg. Now, when he saw it, I think he he. As it always was with Maharaji, things would happen and you would see them, but they they didn't really register in your, like you didn't really know you were seeing them. It was, it was like you were in a dream. It was only later that he realized that he had seen that sore on Maharaji's leg. And then it wasn't there later in the day or the next day or the next time he saw his leg. But it was there. He saw it. And he didn't recognize that he saw it until later. And he went, oh. So he was showing me that my experience was real. And you know, That's a really, really deep teaching. Because 
we are living in our own subjective universe. Everything we see, think, and feel is only, only our version of what's out there. Apparently, there really is something out there, but everybody sees it differently. And uh, so we need to, to really pay attention to what we see, think, and feel and work with it directly. So in this case, Dada saw this, he, he felt this sore on, on the leg of the bed, and then Maharaja showed him that yes, in fact, the leg of the bed represented him to Dada, not to anybody else. We all have our own path into our own true nature within us. So Maharaja was showing Dada that he, that yes, the leg of the bed represented his leg and he, he should trust that. And that's his path. That's his devotional attitude, his devotional practice, which will bring, which connected him, which was a direct connection to Maharaji. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust ourselves. We're in reaction mode all the time and we don't, we don't drop out of that into our hearts very often. But we should, we should allow that to happen. And when, even though we're stuck in our own subjective version of the world, if we don't see, if we don't recognize what we're seeing, we can't let go of it. We can't free ourselves from our fear and our anger and our shame and our grief and our selfishness and our anxiety and our tension and our longings that for, for this and that and our aversions to this and that. If we don't see them, we don't notice them. We cannot let go of them. They can't, we can't be freed of them. And I'm not saying you have to do 20 years of psychotherapy for every little thing that you have, every little issue that we have. But through, through, through practice, through the doing of practice, how we see what we see is changed. It's altered. Just very simply, like it says in the Hanuman Chalisa, I, I take the dust from the lotus feet of the Guru, the pollen-like dust, which is consciousness, awareness, real love, to clean the mirror of my heart. And when you look in a mirror, if it's covered with dust, all you see is the dust. You may see a little faint version of your face in the mirror, but it's not, it's not accurate. There's dust all over it and you see the dust. So we take awareness to clean the dust off the mirror of our hearts. The awareness, loving awareness, as Ramdas used to say, because it is loving, it is love. To clean the mirror of our heart and then Gradually, as that mirror is cleaned, 
we see our true face, our true being. So Hanumanji is always immersed in true being, which he calls Ram, which for him is Rama, the name of Ram. Maharaj used to say, Krishna has left this world, Ram has left this world, but their name, our names are still here. And so we take those names to remember, remember, to re-put together that presence within us, to recognize. So, Anumanji is always here, always immersed in Ram. And this is actually our own being, our own true nature is always immersed, always turning towards God, towards love, towards reality. Ramana Maharshi used to say, our true nature is invocation. Our souls are always invoking reality, the, 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 the Paramatman, the Supreme Soul. We're always bowing to that. We're part of that. And so that's what we, will discover as we become less reactive, less attached to our own versions of, of ourselves and others, less attached to what we see in the physical world, the so-called physical world out there. And in, of course, in these times, we're just being banged up against the wall of our own mental issues and fears and anxieties and stuff all the time so it's so important to sit down or stand up or whatever you do to calm down to just calm down calm down let 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 the body relax let the mind relax and just pay attention what's going on in your head and when you notice how stuck you are and how stuck we are in dreamland, we just come back to the name, come back to the name. Through the repetition of the name, everything is accomplished. Everything is brought to fullness. Everything is completed. That's what he said over and over again. Go on repeating the name, whether you feel good or bad, whether you have love or not whether you're tired or angry, go on repeating the name. And as time gradually, but inevitably, you will definitely experience the grace of the name, the grace of love will start to manifest in our lives. He said it, and that's the deal. So um, because of the pandemic is going and the quarantining is going on for so long, uh, I think a lot of people are having problems like, let's say, with people that they have to be in close contact, not necessarily living with them, but around because they can't just go out anymore. So let's say people's families or groups where a family or a set of friends that they have a lot of contact with. And after a while, since it's going on for so long, like people can start getting on your nerves, you know, and not every not every time you know, in relationships, whether it's family members or friends, you know, like things can be worked through. You just like be really honest and the other person, you know, people get defensive. 
they can't, especially when there's more than one pe- person involved. So I guess I have my question is like, like, what's a good suggestion how to handle it in terms of if you're feeling angry, sometimes I don't think it's worth, especially now that you can't just like go out and go do something to get things out of your system. I don't think it's necessarily good to just say, you know, honestly, like this is bothering me and try to work it through. So I think sometimes maybe it's better to just distance (laughs) rather than talk about it, just distance. But I don't know. I just, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's a good time to be confronting people with their shit. Because yeah. it's not like yeah. back a year ago, maybe you'd want to have a big discussion, you know. Yeah. Now Espe- especially since it's your own shit you're confronting people with. <laughs> well, it's reactions to other people, so it's not just your own shit. Oh, oh I see. You have no problems yourself. <laughs> you're just totally clear being. It's all everybody else's problems, huh? Okay. No, it's mutual. It's not just your problems. Om problem. Guru, Om Namaste Guru, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's just your shit you're throwing on people and they're throwing it back at you and they're throwing their shit. What, good what time. When it's a good time you. to go like this. <laughs> Wait, when you say that, you mean don't talk, say anything or just be and you, smile. No, be nice. Don't 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 turn don't don't force people to react. Just because it's only your own reactions. It's not their problem, it's your problem. You they have nothing to do with it. This is all you. Everything you see is you. You see, they have problems and they they have issues and they've done things to you in the past. That's that might be there might be some reality to that, but the other reality is that you haven't processed anything. That you're still reacting inside. You're still hurt. You're still vengeful. You're still angry. You still want to want to make it them understand who you are. Exactly. It's not that. Yeah. Well, that's that's. Go into the go into the bathroom, stand in front of the mirror, and. Talk to yourself. That would be the best thing you could ever do. And calm yourself down. And notice how caught you are. And don't expect anybody else not to be caught. Everybody's in the same soup here. It's not a good time to be to be trying to justify your own uh, subjective reality. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. It just feels like this is not, this is not a year ago when you could do that and maybe something good would come out of it. It feels very bad to do that now. Like yeah. Well, just... You know, love everyone. Oh, but that's the thing. What in case you don't feel the love? <laughs> that's my point. You don't feel love. You don't feel yeah. You try. You try. Like, you write a list of things that you appreciate about the person, but you're not feeling it no matter what you do. Like, I said that it. sarcastically, by the way. You just missed it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Wait a minute. Oh, when you say love, are you being sarcastic? I was being, I was being playful. Let's not say sarcastic. That's too, ne- that's too negative. No, but recognize that you don't love everyone and work on yourself. To love everybody? To love, first of all, love yourself. That's the first thing. Give yourself a break from your own stuff, which we don't know how to do. So how are we going to give anybody else a break? We can, we, we don't have to be, uh, what's the word? Uh, we don't have to make people angry. We don't have to push our, push stuff on people, but we also don't have to, uh, uh, we, we, you need to recognize this is your stuff. This is not anybody else out there. Turn off the, turn off the computer and you're alone with your stuff. They're not even there. It's all in your head. And work on it. I'll see what it is. See what's bothering you and, and soften it. Breathe with it. Relax with it. 
let go of it, it comes back, let go, it comes back, let go, it comes back, let go, it comes back. If it takes you the rest of your life to keep letting go of one thing, that would be good work. This is and not anybody else's problem. This is your issues. But if, if somebody or people make you angry, and let's say you're working on it, do you think... The okay, wait a second. Okay, stop. So one time a farmer came to Buddha, an old guy, and this farmer's son had left the farm and become a monk. A Buddhist monk, and as a result, this old guy had to had to do everything himself. He he was alone on this little farm. He had to do everything himself. He had no help, and he was furious with the Buddha for taking his son away. So he comes to the Buddha, and he starts yelling at him. And Buddha sits there, and finally the guy's finished. And Buddha says to the farmer, he said, "Old man," he said, "Can I ask you a question?" Yeah, he said. If you bring a gift to me and I don't accept the gift, where does the gift remain? Well, it remains with me. Just so, old man, I don't accept the gift of your anger. Hmm. And it stays with you. So it's all our stuff stays with us. It's up to us to take it easy on ourselves, to see where we've been hurt, see how re reactive we are, to see how much we want validation from the outside world. We want everybody to see it our way. Right. I agree. You know, and that's never going to happen because everybody wants everybody else to see it their way. That's yeah. what they call samsara. That's this world. Nobody agrees on anything. And if they do, it's just a business deal. And they've agreed to agree for 10 minutes. And after that, they'll stab you in the back. So... This is good. It's very good that you're you you're in the game here. You understand? This is good, and this is really this is positive. This is not negative, even though it doesn't feel good right now. Mm -hmm. You're becoming aware of your issues. That's what's happening in the pandemic time. Oh, that's true, definitely. Yeah. And that's yeah. sweetheart. If you don't, if you're not aware of your stuff, how will you ever let it go? It just grabs you from behind. It's like a shadow that will never leave you until you turn and face it. So this is great. Take the opportunity to spend this time calming your ass down, relaxing, taking it easy, scream and yell if you want. Stand in front of the mirror and imagine the person you're angry at and yell at that person. But you're seeing your own face while you're yelling and that's going to be an extraordinary experience why do you say you're seeing your own face if you're reacting to what they said in your like what let's say they said it and you would not you would not say that to yourself why is it your yourself that you're yelling at it's not that you would say it to yourself it's your reaction to what they said what they see and do is their problem oh, okay this farmer was angry at buddha and buddha said if you're angry and i don't accept it where does it stay so you're angry and you don't have you, you don't know where to, what to give it away you can't even give it away you have it stays with you right so that's what i mean by it's okay. it's our issues right. so really i'm telling you try this this just came to me i didn't just stand in front of the mirror that's what i would sit where the, if there's a mirror you can sit in front of and you look at yourself and talk to the person that you're pissed off with talk to them yell at them scream at them throw them kisses whatever you want to do and you're going to see so much about yourself in those moments. It's going to be amazing. So just try it. And if you come back next week or whenever, let me know how it goes.
Okay. So well, it'll be. I think it'll be. It's a great practice to do. It's. Really, I think that can be really intense, because you're going to see the person making all these faces, and who the fa person whose face is contorted in anger is not the person you're imagining is in the mirror. It's your face. Well, I. And I, I, I really do like that you said that. Um, my reaction to somebody, it's, how can I say it? It's like, really, it is their issue. Like, whatever they did that got me upset, really, you're right, has nothing to do with that. I mean, it, that is, like, so true. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And my decision, because, like, the farmer, take it so seriously and be upset about it for days, it's really my decision. I don't have, I could just, like. No, no, it's not a decision. It's not a decision. You, you see everything, like, up in here. Yeah. You're true. up here between your, your, right. your ears. Uh -huh. It's not a decision. You haven't decided to make yourself miserable for, for days with this feeling, but you can't help yourself. Right. It feels so that's, that's That's not where you want to be living. You want to be able to help yourself, don't you? Yes. So would you please do what I've asked to. you to do? Sit or stand in front of a mirror. I know I'm going to. Huh? I'm going to do it. I'm going okay. And just don't, you know, just sit there and just on one hand, imagine this is that other person. But on the other hand, you, you can imagine it's the other person, but you're, it's your face you're going to see. See, I wonder what's going to happen. You know, give it a shot. Don't do it from here. Do it from here, okay? Do it, feel. You will. You will feel. See what happens. This is, a, this is why the pandemic, this is why Maharaji said, I love suffering. It brings me closer to God. Because God lives within you. God is what you're seeing in the mirror. But you're covering that up with, with your subjectivity. You're going to be talking to this other person. And you're imagining you're really talking to that person. And in your head you are. But you're seeing yourself at the same time. And you're going to see your own face contorted. You may see yourself crying. You may see yourself happy. You may turn away. The mirror is always there, and the mirror is pure awareness, our own awareness. It's, it's reality. It's not what you see. It's the seeing of it. Anyway, okay. don't worry about that. Just okay. sit in front of the mirror and have a conversation with this person and just, you know, see what happens. You might spend a lot of time in the bathroom. You never know. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, good to see you. Take care. Thank you. Hi, and hi, everybody. Hi. And, Where are you? Well, I'm in Tanzania now. In? Tanzania, in uh -huh. Africa, East Africa. My goodness gracious. Hello, how are you? Hello. Wonderful. We're fine. Tanzania. We're fine. <laughs> yes. Wow, great. But, in fact, I'm from Brazil. And... Uh -huh. I have spent, I have lived three years in India, in Delhi, oh. um, from 2015 to 2018. And I went to Delhi, I went to India, really opened and wishing to have a spiritual experience. And I did have, I changed a lot, I grew a lot, but I... I wanted so much to meet a guru, and I couldn't. I, I can say that I met many gurus because the, the people that I met every day, most of them, they would have something to teach me. 
But when I went to ashrams, when I when I made trips to 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 meet a saint, to 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 meet a guru, I met a lot of celebrities. So my question to you is: Maybe I don't know how to look, or it is business now. It is a lot of business. There's a lot of business, and so are there still gurus like Maharaji? Yes. Um, so underneath everything you're saying is your your um, belief that a guru is in is a physical being like you. But that's not the case. A guru, a real guru, is not at all identified with the physical body. It's just like driving a car. You get in a car, you drive it, and then you get out of the car when you get where you're going, when you're finished with your work. And what they say in India is guru, God, and self, capital S, self, are not different. Because we are identified with our physical body, we want a guru in a physical body. Yeah. We want somebody we can talk to, somebody who will pat us on the head and tell us we're good little boys and girls and teach us in words that we can hear and think about. You know, guru is always with us because we are here. Guru is your own true nature. It's not outside of you. If you happen to meet a being in a body that you recognize as your guru, that's because that was the best thing for you. That's what you needed. And that was what was able to happen for you according to your karmic situation. But if you don't, you don't. It's, that doesn't mean you stay home and watch TV for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, you can, you're here. So do what you have to do to find out who that is. What, it, what are you? Who are you? What is, where is that love inside of you? This is, this is, there's no sense thinking that you have to wait to meet a guru in the physical body. That is not true. You, you, it's not true. It's not helpful. And it's not the way things really are. Guru is always with you because guru is always with you. You may not see the guru, you may not be aware of the guru as something outside of you, another thing, a person, but that doesn't mean that guru is not with you. Guru is always with you, everybody, but we don't know how to look. So because you're identified with your body and your emotions and your thoughts, you want something you can find in that little box, but you know, that's just what you want. That may not be what you get. The other thing is, your guru is always doing what's best for you. So if you meet one physically, that's what was best for you. If you don't, that's what was best for you. It, it, most people who say they have a guru, they don't even know what a guru is. It, they make an emotional attachment with another human being who's more than happy to, to uh, in the worst case scenario, more than happy to allow you to worship them and take your money and your time and, and make himself polish his own ego up. That's the worst case scenario. 
uh, it's not o- not all the people you meet who are thought of as gurus are bad. Not all of them. Not all. And not all of them are deluded either. But mm-hmm. we don't know. How would we even know? Are we qualified? Have we gone to guru recognition school? <laughs> yeah. No. But on the other hand, when you know, you know. It happens from the inside. It's not something you do. It's not something you 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 uh, imagine. At some point, it's possible that you will recognize someone as your guru, whether you meet them physically or not. That's not required. That's not necessary, because guru is not away from you. You know, but we're like little bubbles in a huge ocean. And we, we think we're separate from every other bubble in the ocean. And then that's called ego. When the ego pops, you're in the same ocean, just the same way, but you don't feel separate. So this identification with being separate is what causes us pain. Guru knows that they are the whole universe. There's no separation. That this temporary belief that we have, that you are you and I'm me, is temporary delusion. Guru is not deluded. And Guru lives inside of you as who you are. Really, who you really are. Underneath your thoughts, underneath your identification with the body and physical sensations, underneath your emotions, underneath everything you believe about who you are, Guru is there. Guru is here. So run around and look for Gurus if you like, if you enjoy doing that, that's fun. But you're going to find the Guru inside of you. When I met Ramdas for the very first time in uh, 1968-69, when I walked into the room where he was sitting, before eye contact, before a word was spoken, I knew inside of myself. The thought I had was, it's real. It's real. Whatever it is, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it's real, it's in the world, you can find it. And that was Maharaji. And that happened to me like that. I didn't meet Maharaji. I didn't see his picture at that time. The first thought I had when I walked in that room wasn't even a thought. It was an epiphany, you know. Uh, yeah. It's real. Because I had been searching for years already, reading books, pretending to meditate, doing yoga. But no light ever went on. And this, the light went on. That's where it happens inside of you. So don't spend your time running around too much. It's not, you just get tired, you spend a lot of money. Stay home, relax, take it easy. Find that loving presence within yourself. In fact, uh, if I see in this perspective, I think I have met my guru many times because I had many meaningful encounters in India. not with sentiments, but people 
who yeah. changed me forever. And yeah. I, yeah. I'm still in the process of changing uh, three years, three years, two, two years after I left India. And those people's, like, uh, I don't know, a beggar, a teacher, um, they, they changed me for life. And yeah. they, the light, they, they turn on the light. Exactly. Well, trust, really trust that. You should I definitely know. trust that. That's the deal. I can feel that. I can Good. feel that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, well, that's where I saw you. The first time I saw you was in Sacramento. And, um, Sacramento, uh-huh. Sacramento, Sacramento. Long you time ago, yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. And I saw you in Nevada City, too. And, uh, oh, yeah, Grass Valley. It's beautiful. Grass Valley, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah wonderful. And, yeah, and uh, God, I got such a hit that first night I saw you. It was amazing. Like, I was like, hey. I just went because I was in this yoga class and these three pretty ladies invited me to go see you and that's kind of where my head was at. But Yeah, when I heard you sing and I heard you do that Jesus song, Jesus on the main line, <laughs> I got such a hit off that song. It was just, it was amazing. And then this uh, Greatest Hits of the Call of Yoga, I love that. Cool. The that's DVD good. was so good. That story you told about Jesus. I mean, it totally changed my, my perspective, turned me around about God and Jesus and everything and just, God, I get such a hit off it, but. My, I guess my question is, how did you come up with that Jesus song? Did you really do it to mess with people? Or, I think you used a different word. But. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I love the blues. Uh -huh. And I always listen to blues music. And I discovered Blind Willie Johnson. And he's, it's, that's his song. And it's, uh, you know, I, my whole life, I, I just, uh, Blind Willie Johnson was an incredible being. I have no idea who he really is, but. He just, he was, you know, in those days, uh, he was a, a black minstrel who was basically homeless. And he wandered around the streets singing gospel songs. And then at one point, I think he got married. Or he, he was with a woman who sang along with him and he was blind. And he just, he just wandered singing these songs. And finally, somebody heard him and somebody else heard him. And he got, they recorded his songs. And. You know, we're so lucky that somebody recorded otherwise. And, you know, who knows how many people there were like that. In those, this is in the early 1900s. Or I think, yeah, the 1920s maybe or 30s at the most, the latest. So, yeah, he's got an incredible, incredible song. song so many amazing songs, really. And he had two voices. He used to sing. He could sing in this beautiful high falsetto. And he could also sing. Like, it was like a extraordinary. He was really amazing. Check him out. I will. I will. Blind Willie Johnson. Blind Willie Johnson. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, same thing for me. It wasn't until Maharaji started talking about Jesus that that my whole mind, my whole thing changed. You know, because I grew up with such an attitude about it. You know. Uh, I was born Jewish, and and uh, in those days there there was a lot of discrimination, a lot of a lot of negativity about being people would would say things, and you know. So I didn't want to be Jewish, you know. I wanted to be something else. Yeah. Well, actually, it looks like I made it, right? I'm like a a, a Hindu Jew. 
<laughs> but um, but even then, the old days, I remember, I remember when I was probably like six or seven, I made my parents get a Christmas tree. I don't, I have no idea what, what I was thinking, but I remember I, I had a fit and I, I made them do it. And they did it to their, their credit. They bought a little Christmas tree in the house. But it was only when I heard Maharaji talk about Jesus and the way that incredible, powerful depth of emotion that he spoke about him. I mean, it just washed away all the the illusions about him, all the the stuff that the church teaches you about good and evil and mm. original sin and and you know and you know it was like all that all that stuff that people do to other people to control them for their own their own selfish desires self-centered needs and desires it just washed it all away it was so amazing somebody said once you know the the four wise men who came from the east with gifts for the child this is how the Tibetans recognize the reincarnation of their teacher. They come to meet the baby, bringing things with them to test the child. They'll bring beautiful, new, shiny things, and then they'll bring some old dusty beads or some dusty old thing, you know, that belonged to the previous incarnation. And the child will grab the old stuff, you know, most kids go for the shiny stuff, but the, the, the reincarnation grabs the small stuff and goes, mine, many times. And then they know that this is really there. So those four wise men that came from the East to test, you know, to, to bring gifts for the child, they could have been testing the reincarnation of one of the lamas that they knew. And it, it's, it's been said that Jesus spent time in Tibet too. There's two monasteries in Tibet where there are records apparently of him being, of this guy being there. You know, I'm not sure if it all works out chronologically, but anyway, it's a nice story. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. Better. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. It's you. Thank you. Bye. Hi. How are you? Hi. Good, how are you doing? Oh, hi. Thank you. <laughs> Good. First of all, I want to say thank you because the last time we spoke, you helped me a lot. And okay. But now I have a question. Um, there's this thing that happens to me, like when I get in touch with the nature, you know, like with this love, like overwhelming love. And it feels sometimes like it's kind of too much, like it's kind of unbearable. Like it, it is almost like like, a, like if I get high, you know, and and I feel all this love and and I I I get to feel like all this compassion and I want to love everyone and it almost feels like dangerous, you know, sometimes like. Like it feels what? It feels what? Like dangerous. Like dangerous. Ah, there's fear. Fear like, comes. Yeah, like if I get to love that much, and if, and if I get to experience that love, like I get like if I melt this dimension, you know, like 
like it's i don't know i don't know how to yeah. make a question out of that but love isn't something we do we don't it's not really a the, the real love is not a verb you don't you don't do love there's no requirements to act out any feeling or to show anybody anything and when your heart starts to open you know many things start to happen a lot of the stuff that we've held inside and hidden from ourselves different times where we've been hurt where we haven't gotten what we wanted when we've been betrayed when we haven't felt good about ourselves that stuff's all you know it's still we're holding it in so when you start to relax and uh these things start to be released and very powerful feelings so it's okay it's all good just allow it to come and go you know don't there's nothing you have to do uh there's nothing you have to, it's not right. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Uh, even the fear, that has to do a lot with when we previously, when we exposed ourselves to other people, we were hurt. So now you feel, you, you feel you want to be more real with people, you know, so to speak, but there's going to be a lot of fear there. So take it easy. What's the problem? Where are you going? <laughs> you're here you're not going anywhere so just allow it to come and allow it to go and when you get caught in that fear just try to just notice it release it let it go just don't push it away you can't push things away this is not you're not you're not trying to change anything here. You're just trying to be with whatever arises because eventually what will be arising is only love everywhere all the time, but not a love that comes and goes. Not a love that's between two things, two people. You don't fall in it. You don't fall out of it. You know, it's, it's always here. This is, re, this is our true nature. This is underneath all our stuff. So as you start to allow yourself to relax a little and breathe a little, and you give your heart some room to kind of relax, you know, a lot of stuff comes up. It's all good. It, not as good and bad, but it's all, it's all part of the path of letting go. And once again, if you don't see these things, if you don't see your fear, if you don't see the feeling of danger, you don't see, you, it's always your, it's like a shadow. It's always behind you. And it's influencing the way you go through your days. It influences who you choose as partners, who you choose as friends. It influences where you go. It influences what music you listen to, it what you eat. Everything is influenced by our stuff. So, you know, just relax. Take it easy. There's no rush. You're not going anywhere. You're just being you. You're just being. And you don't have to convince yourself to love everyone. At one point in our life, we hope, we will see that all there is everywhere is love. But that's not today, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
<laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. We're here with our stuff. And if we don't deal with our stuff, it deals with us. So be, have courage and give yourself some space to be really stupid and really unhappy and really hurt and all that stuff. But keep coming back. Keep letting it go and coming back to the, to one should try, one, I, I don't like to say should or must, but it's important to develop a little bit of a regular practice. So you, the practice brings you back. It extracts you from whatever you're stuck in, little by little. But it's, nece it's necessary to do regular, a little bit, every day, even if it's just five minutes, three minutes of just that. You turn your phone off, no matter what happens. The minute you sit down, you go, oh, geez, I think I left the food on the stove. I better turn it off. Let it burn, five minutes, you know? Because you'll get up and you'll go and you go, oh, I did turn it off. And then you're, so this is really giving yourself a break. And it takes tremendous courage to sit down and just let yourself be there. Not to try to love everyone, not even to try to love yourself, but to just allow, because real love is letting yourself be who you are, right? And it's not easy when we see all the, all the hurts and the pains and the betrayals and the dark stuff. It's not easy. It hurts more. But we should be relieved that we are seeing it and recognize that it's come in order to go. That's, it's from the past. It's manifested right here now. And now it's, it's on its way out. Yes, tomorrow the same thing could happen. But the strength that we're developing of letting go is, is a very big thing. Very big thing. So it's all good. Not necessarily pleasant, but good. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Don't, don't, don't look for good feelings all the time. Because those kind of pleasant feelings that we think, oh, I'm going to meditate, it's going to be very calm, I'm going to feel peace, you know, that's not required. That, that's a, that's a, a, an obstacle because you're creating and you're imagining this is what it's going to be. And if it's not that, which it probably will never be, you always feel that you didn't do something right. But so notice the expectation, notice the imagining also. Keep letting go of that and just be you, be there. That's all. That's where you are anyway. You can't mm -hmm. be somewhere else, right? You go to the kitchen, where are you? You're in the kitchen, you're here. You go there, you're here. You're always here wherever you are. So as we, as we practice letting go, as we practice releasing, as we practice coming back, as we practice just being and just letting it be, we, we get more comfortable just being with ourselves in a very simple way. And it doesn't necessarily feel this way or that way. It's just here. And being here gets deeper. The, the feeling deepens. There's an endless 
depth to it because it's an infinite space, right? Ultimately. So we're just touching it. And just touching it releases so much stuff. It's all good. Cry all day. Cry for weeks. It makes no difference. It's good. And then you start to see the stuff that happened in our lives that forced us into this, taking this position, so to speak. It's like when, when my mother was dying, she was in the hospital and uh, she was pretty stoned on morphine. She had cancer. And so she was lying in her bed and she had, you know, they had those tables in front of you, little hospital tables on the bed. And there was a glass and some, a pitcher of water. So she asked me to pour some water for her. So I reached over and as I reached over, I bumped the table just a little bit, right? And she went like that. And my stomach clenched my, my, it was like getting punched right in the stomach. And at that second, I recognized she was always doing this to me. And she had done this to me before I can even remember, right? Before I was even aware, she, and I saw that I had adopted this shape in relationship to her. And that I carried this shape around with me in life. And I was always waiting to get hit in the stomach. I was always in a defensive mode or always expecting hurt to come in certain situations. And it was, uh, I can't even describe to you, it was just such a powerful un understanding of why, I, of why I have all the kind of stuff I have, you know. So this, this is what happens. You'll see something like that. And, you, and that, then you can let go. But if you don't see, you can't let go. So it's not always fun to see, but and but and it's not always horrible either. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I got it. This doesn't have to be all big and emotional, although it can be ninety-nine point nine times of the time. But it doesn't have to be. So just keep sitting, keep allowing yourself. You know, sing. Don't you don't have to try to. You can't grab your mind and kill it. You can't grab this. You know. Where is it? You know, where is it? I don't see it anywhere. Although actually, it's the only thing I see. So you just allow yourself to be with it. Take it easy, easy, relax. You never know. We don't know who we are once we actually relax and take it easy and stop trying to please some inner need to be this or be that or be seen this way or that way you know it's okay to be who you are already so take thank it you. easy thank you hello krishna oh, namaste yeah. how are thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's Good fine i had a question to you which is um there is this picture of maharaji which in which he has uh, dark hair and he's very young yeah there's only one picture. Can you, do you know anything more about it? Yeah. Um, his name at that time was Lakshman Das. 
and he was a sadhu, you know, he wandered around. Uh, he had left home at a very early age, about eight, because his father's second wife, his mother died, and his father's second wife didn't feed him, wouldn't take care of him well, because she wanted her son to inherit the property owned by his father. So he left home and became a sadhu, wandered around. We don't know too much about those days, but yeah, that was from that time period. I think it must be, eventually his father found him and brought him home. And then he married the girl he had been engaged to when he was eight, you know, in the villages. So, uh, and then he, they had three children and his, he, uh, his daughter describes him as the perfect father. You know, Maharaji, no one really knows anything about him. Let's put it that way. We have a few little facts that we think are facts, that look like facts. But if they're really true or not, we just, we don't know. Because he was completely in control of how and what you saw and thought of him. And he used to say, I have the keys to the mind. I had the keys to the mind. And he would tease us. He said, I could turn your minds against me. And we would go, Baba, yeah. don't do that. Don't do that. He would laugh. He loved it. Yeah. So yeah. there yeah. seems to be some basic story. But, you know, whether it's true or not, we don't know. But those were the days probably between the time he first left home and the time that his uh, father found him and brought him back home. And then he stayed around a lot more until the time when his daughter who was the youngest child, went off to uh, school. She was about 15 or 16, and she went to college, I guess. And then from that point on, he was always wandering after that. But for some years, he was always around the home, it seems, more often. There's another picture right after he got his hair cut off. Have you seen that one? The, He's the, under a very big statue. No, that's later. That's that's in Nibkaroni. That's 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 when he came out of the cave that he was living in for five years, and then again for another th three years or something like that. And they, he came out of the cave, and they did a big bandara. Our experience of him is what he wants it to be, and he shows us just as much of a, of him as we can take. Yeah, and just just he reveals just as much of himself that will be right for us because we all have these karmas to live out, and some karmas have to be lived out, and some karmas can be removed, so to speak, through grace. But we still have to. There's still a lot of karmas that we have to live out. And for instance, when I was living in India, I thought I would always stay in India. I never thought about coming back to America, really. I I was dedicated to staying there. And he let me stay. He kept me there for two and a half years. And then he said, okay, you have to go back. You have attachment there. I didn't know what he's talking about. I never thought about America. Nothing I wanted there. I was happy with him. But now, 50 years later, I see everything that's happened to me everything and i see oh that's what he was talking about 
this is these were these seeds were inside of me and they had to come out this way that was the best way for them to come out rather than trying to keep me in india and blah 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 i would have exploded it wasn't wasn't going to work really so this was the best thing for me and since he knows what's best he he created allowed it to happen that way so that's really actually if you really think about that if you have that understanding if you really believe that if we really believe that what that's it then right we yeah. have no problems whatever has to be here is here whatever's not here didn't have to be here so whatever's here is what we need to deal with and it's his will that it, that it that it's here it, because he could change it if he wanted to or if it was best for us like for instance with the stroke with ramdas what a terrible thing yeah. he suffered so much for all those years over twin wheelchair and at first he would say maharaji stroked me he would say that maharaji essentially gave him the stroke for his spiritual advancement but when he went back to india in the wheelchair on the one time that he went back after the stroke siddhima looked at him and said ramdas that's not right maharaji the stroke was your physical karma was your karma maharaji's grace is the ability to overcome that stroke and be, and and use it as spiritual practice you know you over, transcend the effects of the stroke on your soul yeah. so and and that's exactly what happened especially over time so we can relax in a way you know because yeah. everything that's happening is is the way it has to be it can't be any other way so let's just be here and be open our hearts and be as calm as we can and as open as we can with whatever arises in our life it's not easy but we have to develop those muscles yeah. uh, our, our our letting go muscle that brings us back home again and again yeah and not have desires not have as many desires as we still end up having the desires come they're the result of a past karma what we do with them in the moment is up to us some desires there's no problem you know in the vinaya you know do you know the vinaya chalisa yeah i've been reading that ever since you suggested it so what what does it say in there it said you 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 only satisfy the desires that are good for us yeah so not all desire needs to be killed here we're humans we we have to breathe we have to eat and we have to watch tv yeah so then there's nothing wrong with that if if it's happening he allows it to happen because that's what we need uh but the things that we would do that would destroy us uh or uh interfere with our our becoming our true selves he uh he makes sure it does they don't, they don't that doesn't happen so if we have that kind of faith we can just relax really and enjoy and be present on the other hand you know we when he would talk about desire he would say he would hold up a teacup or a banana he said you want it don't take it oh oh so you know 
once again, anything you say about him, the opposite could be said. So the point is you just have to do the best, whatever is right for you, you figure it out. And that's what he wants you to do is what's right for you. For one person in that group at that time, that teaching might've been exactly what they needed. Maybe I was the guy and I didn't get it. <laughs> and I kept taking more bananas until I got sick and threw up and got, had to go to the hospital. But then I learned not to take the banana, right? But other people, it might not have been relevant. They might not even remember that. That was the other thing. We sat around with them, 20 people. If each one of those people could write what happened in that period we were with him, it would be 20 different stories. Absolutely. Because each person was seeing him. He was, re he was relating to each person differently at the same time showing this one that showing this one that saying this to that person but meaning it to that person and only that person got the message it was so amazing yeah it's just extraordinary have you read Dada's books i i have them i have started reading them but i'm reading the uh, the book on your website now Divine oh, yeah, reality, that, yeah, that one that's first. Fantastic, yeah. So after that, read Dada's books too, because Dada, by his grace, is such a great book. Oh my God, yeah, it's really amazing. So yeah, enjoy. I have one quick question before uh, we go. I could not find the Vinaya Chalisa sung by you. I've looked for it everywhere. You have not recorded it. I have not. You know, I actually read it in English mostly. I mean, I can sing it in Hindi somewhat. Yes, but it's I don't difficult in Hindi. Oh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it's not quite, yeah, maybe. But it, I want in this in the case of that particular prayer, I want the meaning to really resonate deeply. I want to connect with the meaning. I don't want it to be just. You know, like when we first started singing Hanuman Chalisa to Maharaji, we didn't know what we were singing. Yeah. But still, he loved it and he encouraged it. And over the years, now the meaning arises to some degree. But that that's okay. It's, but with the Vinaya Chalisa, uh, I, I, want, I want the meaning to be the main thing for me. Uh, you know, so I keep reading it in English. And even then, sometimes I don't, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I change some of the things. I'm ignorant. I have no faith or devotion. So I'm offering this prayer to you because it's the only thing I can fucking do. God damn it. You know, I yell at him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> do your yeah. fake prayers and it will still hold. Yeah. That's, that's what, what I do. Okay. Thank you. Nice seeing you again. Thank you. Thank yes, definitely. Hi. Hi. I'm with Aditya Ridayam Punyam. <laughs> Hello from uh, Kenji. Very good. And we're uh -huh. both in Kenji. You're in Kenji now? Yes. I didn't even know there was so much Wi-Fi there. There was so much internet. That's amazing. Yeah, we Wonderful. lost the call twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. We just wanted to say you hi from Kenji. 
Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much. For those of you who don't know, Kenchi is one of Maharaji's temples that I spent most much time in. It was one of the, the main places we were with Maharaji over that time. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. It's getting cold up there now, eh? Now the weather is supportive. Uh, have you been to Nanital? Yes. Acha. Are you we, going back there? We also went to Anandmai Ashram today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, down in the road there. Yeah, wonderful. How long will you be in the hills? 10 days. Uh, why don't you go? Have you been to Kakrigat? Yes, Every yes. day. Every day. Every day. Okay, I'm just going to shut up. You know everything. <laughs> <laughs> we sat exactly uh, where you sat and yeah. sang the Kakrigat and one Chalisa. Wonderful, wonderful. Very nice. <laughs> good. Very good. Okay. Well, don't forget to say, give my pronouns to Girish and Naresh. Yes. And their mother. Their mother. Champa. Champa Mai. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she runs the whole show. She's the goddess of the whole Kenchi Valley. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make sure, sure she gets my, my love and pronouns. Sure. sure. In the morning. Okay. Very good. Okay. Okay. Ram Ram. Namaste. Ram Ram. 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 Ram but I also wanted to share, I started uh, meditating when I was about 21 with TM. So that was $33 a long time ago. And, um, and a few years later, a friend of mine took me to see Muktananda in New York. And I got darshan from him. I couldn't remember Om Namah Shivaya because I need to see it written. So he gave me Soham. So I've been back and forth between those two mantras. So now when I sit down to meditate, I don't know which one to use. Sometimes I use Sri Ram. And anyway, it does songs and chants always pop in to my mind. It's like I can think of a mantra, but there's a song, <laughs> mm -hmm. a chant. So um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. I love the Hanuman Chalice. I play that. I have a copy upstairs and downstairs, just less than 800 square foot house. Um, yeah. I really love it and all your CDs. I've seen you a few times actually. I saw you in um, Yogaville in about tw 2008. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I have a picture of us. <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. Whatever, you know, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> you know, you just, whatever mantra works for you, you allow them to come and go, you know. It's the, the effort to be aware of whatever's going through your head, which is the best. So if these mantras and these songs, these chants are coming to you, that's good. They're pulling you out of your thoughts and out of your subjective stuff and bringing you back, right? Right. I love that. I like that. Yeah, so, so it's all good. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't obsess about it uh -huh. and I would not worry about it. Uh, I would not try to fit yourself into a straitjacket because you think you have to, right. that, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be useful in any way. So just recognize the coming back as much mm -hmm. as you can, you know, that's all. And enjoy the, 
the chant going on in your head or the mantra, the name repeating itself. Because these, these names, these mantras, are, they are repeating themselves within us. Mm-hmm. It's not us doing it. Okay. It looks like that to us. But that's because we think we are who we think we are. But that's not reality. The reality is that the name is repeating itself within us, bringing us back home from dreamland. Right, right. So it's all good. Just be at ease of heart and take care. That's it. No problem. I'm, I'm fairly disciplined. I usually sit twice a day. That's from TM. I established that. So that works. Mm-hmm. And, yep, just, okay, just be at ease yeah. and keep doing it. Yeah, don't, don't try too hard. Okay, okay, I won't. It's good. It's all good, really. Yeah. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Was that your question? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm fine. Thank you. And so I have a picture of a Hanuman, which is um, a Hanuman in the middle, and he's got many other faces. Yeah. Coming out. Panchamukhi Hanuman, five-faced Hanuman. All right. There's what you okay? Go ahead. Very cool, and I got it. It was part of a calendar when I was in Delhi. It was part of a calendar, so I got uh-huh. like at the top. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's it's all connected to like Ganesh and Shiva and all of them in like one picture. And I wondered if you had anything to say about that. Well, actually, it's not Shiva and Ganesh. It's it's different avatars of of Ram. There's the boar, the horse, Garuda, and Narsing, and then Hanuman, the monkey face. Those are the the five faces. And it's a very powerful manifestation of Hanuman to destroy evil and negativity. Yeah. Very powerful deity. Yeah, very nice. Very good looking. I have, I have right there, I have one beautiful murti of Five Face Hanuman. So, um, are you able to walk about a little bit and uh, get some fresh air? Oh, there's lots of fresh air here. This is the windows. There's windows in this house. <laughs> <laughs> and you're able to do some yoga and take care of yourself? I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, it's good. I can't wait to see you. You'll have to. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. You too. Be well. You too. My only question was just if you had any more stories about Anandamayama meeting Maharaji. Because I know mm. uh, someone... They used to hang out together at the Jagannath Temple, and I was wondering, is there anyone alive that was there when they met? Probably not, no. right? No. Well, the first time they met, it was Tuari was with Maharaji, and of course, he's long gone. When I was on the pilgrimage uh, around the Narmada River, the Yatra, I was told that Anandamai was also on that, the same one that Maharaji was on. That they they were. There were thousands of sadhus traveling, and Anandamai was one of them in her previous body. That's what I was told. 
and I'm not sure, but it seemed to me, I, don't, I can't quite remember, but it seemed to me that her previous body was male body, by the way. That was, I think that's what I was told, the way it was told to me. That was amazing pilgrimage. We, I was traveling with, with Mr. and Mrs. Tuari and the Narmada River starts in a place called Amarkantak and it travels, which is in the center of India and it travels southwest to the Arabian Sea. And it goes underground and comes up and disappears and comes up and goes. And uh, yeah, I had some amazing, really great experiences on that. That, uh, yeah. So this Baba that I was with, it was the old Baba, 160 something at the time. He told me that those, they used to, they would start, a thousand sadhus would start at Amarkantak and they would walk on the southern bank of the river all the way down to the Arabian Sea. And then they would go out into the ocean, into the sea, about 15 kilometers, 18 kilometers. And that's where the river came up. You could see the waves and they go around that and then land on the, the northern bank of the river. And there's a temple on the northern bank with two Murtis, a young, beautiful young Narmada, Narmada goddess Narmada, and an old, very old looking Murti, you know, image. And they represent the, the, uh, the what do they call it? The, the source and the end of the river. And that the sadhus would make their way along the southern bank and then never cross over to the northern bank until they, they went around the river and then make their way back to Amarkantak on the northern bank. And it would take 12 years to do that pilgrimage because they would just walk a few hours every day and then sit down and they make their fires and cook food and do budget and stuff and then get up in the morning and do it again. And those pilgrimages, they, I think they were called Janmat, Janmat. And the, uh, it was led by a thousand year old uh, yogi named Gauri Shankar Maharaj. And this old Baba I was with, we were sitting uh, by the river one day on the, in the middle of the pilgrimage and he said, it was right here that Gauri Shankar Maharaj was talking to the river. He, he, he spoke to the river and the river spoke to him. He addressed her as, as daughter, his daughter, the Narmada, he saw as his daughter. And he was talking to her and said, oh, my daughter, what should I do now? My body is so old, it's just useless. And he goes, oh, okay. And he got up. I mean, he was sitting right next to this old Baba at the time. He gets up and he just wades into the river and disappears and no one ever saw him again. He took gel samadhi, water samadhi. He just disappeared, dropped the body in the river. She had told him to do that. She said, well, just come into me then. And he disappeared. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting right at that spot. The Baba told me, the old Baba told me the story. He was a young Baba in those days. He told me the story. It was a beautiful place, a beautiful place and beautiful 
amazing places along the Narmada. They say uh, in the in the Kali Yuga, all the yogis hide along the banks of the Narmada. That the Gangas for the Satyug, but these days everybody hides. They you know they don't see people, they don't meet people. They stay along the banks of the Narmada. Narmade Hara Hara Mahade, that's what they all say. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did I tell you the story about um, Dhuniwala Dada Maharaj? He was a, an extraordinary Siddha who lived in the early 1900s, maybe the 20s and 30s, maybe. And uh, as far as I know. And he used to walk around completely naked all the time. He never wore clothes. And not even a, a, a Langoti, nothing. He just was, he was really uh, an extraordinary said that he would be seen many places at once. One time he was seen, he got eaten by a tiger and then he shows up somewhere else. I mean, these things were happening all the time with him. He was really something. So we, along the banks of the Nanda, his main place was. And uh, right by the banks of the river, there was a like a big roof built, but it was all open. And underneath the roof, there was a, an old, huge old black car from Lund, England. One of these really big old model, like a Model T Ford, something like that, you know, that kind of thing. And inside the car, there was hanging on a on a hook, uh, a tuxedo type thing with a top hat. And once a year, this Baba who never wore clothes would put on this tuxedo with a top hat and shoes and this everything. And he'd get into that car and he would drive back and forth along in this tiny little village maybe it was just a few hundred meters long the road dusty old road with holes in it you know a dirt road just uh, potholes and everything and he would just drive back and forth all day long back and forth along this this little dusty piece of road in this village and then he would park the car take off the tuxedo and walk around naked again for another rest of the year one one day a year, and this went on for a long time, and they kept the car there, they polish it, and the, the, the tuxedo's inside. And and his fire is still burning. He, Dhuni is, is the fire, sacred fire. And he was called Dhuni Wala Dada. The, the elder brother, Dada means elder brother, the, of the fire, that was his name, Dhuni Wala Dada. And uh, it was, Powerful place, extraordinary place. India is just another universe. I mean, now it's the ancient stuff is kind of disappearing. It's harder to find, covered up with MTV and and fancy cars and big houses. But underneath that, mystical India is still totally raging alive, no problem. Amazing. Hi, I just, it, I don't have a question. I just wanted to truly thank you so much. Um, 
I don't know if you remember over the past few months, um, I've asked a few things about my mom who has been dying. And, mm -hmm. um, and excuse me while I cry, but uh, she left her body two days ago. And uh -huh. I just want to thank you so much, not just for the, the support that you gave when I asked questions, because that I really carried that in my heart through this process. And there were times when, when remembering things that you said really helped give me courage and strength and the capacity to be there with her and, and with my own stuff that was coming up as everything was going on. And, um, and I really just want to thank you for the fact that you've shared your practice in the world because that's what introduced me to chanting and the chanting practice that I have has given her so much peace and ease of heart in these months. And I never could have anticipated that. I mean, I never would have thought that that would have been such a support for her in, in the process of dying. And, um, and I was able to be with her virtually when she actually took her last breath. And oh, wow. right up until then, it was chanting for her that night. And it was really beautiful and really peaceful. And I just Really, I'm so grateful. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. No thank you. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, no I, I remember when I was in India, my mother came. No, no, let me. No, it was later. No, when was it? I don't. I think it was later. My mother wrote a letter, and she, she asked Maharaji to bless her mother, something like that, who was had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and was pretty pretty out there sometimes. Um, and Maharaj said, she'll have peace. So many years later, he was long out of the body. What happened was, I think it was a Haitian woman was her caretaker, would come and spend like, would move, move, you know, take care of her. And she was a Christian. And they used to sit out on the balcony in Miami Beach, which was like, you know, you know, like a Jewish enclave in those days. All, all the old Jews went there to die. So they sat on, on this little uh, uh, veranda and the woman would read the Bible to my mother, my grandmother, the, the New Testament. And my my grandmother got peace at the mm. end of her life from that. Mm. It was amazing. You would have never imagined. But, you know, there mm. it is. Maharaji could do anything, you know, mm. anything. For anyone at any time. So that's wonderful. I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. And I also just want to mention um, probably a week before she left her body, she she told me that, you know, because sometimes I would play her your chance also. And she said uh -huh. that she felt like you had become a really part, a big part of this part of her life and that it was really special and precious to her. So wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. That's Thank great. you. Okay. I'm going to read uh, the Vinaya Chalisa. Vinaya means to beg or to implore or to, uh, you know, request with great intensity uh, something. Like, I think that's what it means. 
I'm not very good on what these things mean, actually, but that's okay. Uh, and there's one thing I want to say. There's a lot of stuff in here where it says not only do you give uh, liberation, but you also bring wealth to the home and happiness to the home. You know, we have this idea in in the West that, you know, uh, we get from some sannyasis, from renunciates, that you have to be a renunciate and you have to push everything away and deny everything and have no desires. But that was not what Maharaji was about. He was about bestowing the fruits of life, all the good things in life on the devotees and allowing them to fulfill their desires and get on with it and, and have a good life. So you'll see there's a lot of that in here. Lord, I'm ignorant and lack faith and devotion. I don't know how to pray to you. Still, I humbly offer this prayer. That's not the way I say that line. I say, I'm ignorant without faith and devotion. I don't know how to pray to you, but I'm going to do it anyway. God damn it. That's what I say to him. Glory, glory, Neem Karoli Baba. Purify my heart with your grace. How can I sing your praises when I don't know anything about you? Just a glance of your grace is enough to remove disease, grief, and suffering. It's only by your grace that one can come to know you. Offering you everything, body, mind, and soul, and worldly belongings is the way to true happiness. Just to see and touch you, Lord, is enough to fill one's heart and home with happiness and prosperity. Glory to you, bestower of happiness to saints and devotees, giver of all kinds of abilities and wealth. You are Vishnu, you are Ram, you are Krishna. You wander about satisfying the needs of those you meet. Again and again, I sing glory to you. You are Hanuman incarnate. Now I know that what Vibhishan said is the supreme truth. No one can meet a saint without God's grace. And with that grace comes the end of suffering. I realized this in my heart the first day I saw you. The troubles of those who fill their hearts with you are destroyed. Glory to you, my beloved Guru Dave. I am yours in every way. I always change that to, I want to become yours in every way. Bless me soon, please. Let me feel the great peace that destroys suffering. Please wipe out the sickness, grief, and suffering, and let me continually repeat the name of Ram. Whatever way I may attain supreme salvation, please bless me with that boon. In every way, may I worship Hari and be free of hatred, jealousy, and the confusion and confusion. May I always serve the saints, Lord. You can grant everything in all respects. Please give me everything so that I may be saved from this ocean of birth and death. The fruit of all my past good deeds is refuge in you. Glory to you, beloved Gurudev. Again and again, I offer all my, my all to you. At all times, you are aware of everything. Your daily food is so very simple. 
Your appearance and dress is so simple that no one can know you as a sadhu. Oh Lord, this is your way of living. Your every word has deep meaning. You can turn non-believers into believers when you give them an awakening warning. I always just say, you can turn, you turn non-believers into believers when you give them a shot of your real love. Followers of all religions bow their head to you. Totally free of selfishness, free of desire, you wander about fulfilling the desires of the devotees. Lord, how can I pray to you and earn the prasad of your grace? You are the protector of sadhus and good people. You are ever a support to the devotees. You even fulfill the desires of wicked people when they take refuge in you. Why should anybody be surprised by this? It's simply the nature of a true saint. So now have that kind of compassion on me and purify my mind and heart. Whoever sings your glory daily is attracted to righteousness and good deeds. They are blessed with virtues and achieve all happiness and wealth. All their desires are fulfilled, and in the end, they attain peace. The four fruits of life are easy to obtain with your grace. Save me, save me. You are my refuge. Remove all my troubles and suffering. It's the greatest blessing to have even seen or touched your wonderful form. I've performed no good deeds and am devoid of intelligence. It's only by your grace that I can even speak of you. I gently place these few flowers of faith at your feet. Ocean of grace, my, devere, my dearest guru and Lord, please accept them. You know, Maharaji was, I'll tell you a quick story. One time Maharaji was in Vrindavan and he was walking down the street middle of the day. It was about 120 degrees, brutally hot. And on on the way, a sadhu comes up, a, a, a real, you know, with the jatta, the long hair, and the naked with ashes. Or, and, um, and when they saw each other, they jumped and they danced around together and they were so happy. And the sadhu says, oh, Baba, this is so great. We're meeting after so much time together. We used to spend so much time together in the Himalayas and now here finally after so many years we're meeting and they just enjoyed each other so much. And then finally Maharaji said, okay, you know, uh, you go now, I have to go. And the, the sadhu says, Baba, I'm not leaving you. No, 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 don't stay with me, don't stay with me. No, no, I'm not going anywhere. I, after all these years we finally met, I'm not gonna leave so quickly. And Maharaji said to him, you don't understand. I'm I'm surrounded by worldly people now. It's not good for you. You should go back. You should go to the mountains. You don't stay with me. And the, the sadhu says, no way. I'm staying with you. So Maharaj said, okay, jello, let's go. And they started walking to Matra from Brindavan, which is about, I think, 18 kilometers in the middle of the day. And in those days, there was nothing, only desert between Brindavan and Matra. And they're, they're dying of thirst. And they're in this desert. And in the distance, they see 
a well and there's a woman at the well uh, bringing up water in a pail. So they go running. Maharaja gets there first and he puts his hands out like this and he says, Ma, Panidalo, pour water for me. So this little, the lady pours water into his hands and he's drinking and she's pouring, he's drinking, drinking, drinking. And then he finishes and the, the other Baba comes and puts his hands out. No, he puts his gourd. He had this gourd pot with him and he puts his gourd out and the woman pours the water in. As she's pouring in the water, Maharaji starts chatting her up. He starts talking to her because that's what he did. Oh, Ma, what's your family? What village of you? What's your caste? Where are you from? And she says she's an untouchable. When the sadhu heard this, he flipped out and he took his gourd and he smashed it on the ground. And he looks at Maharaja and he says, this is your fault. Now this, my gourd has become impure because it's been touched by this woman who's an untouchable. And I, my, it was my only possession and I needed to bathe and drink and everything. And now because of you, I, I had to destroy it. And you're, how could you do that? And Maharaji's going, what, what, what's, what? What, what's the problem? What's the problem? I don't understand. I don't understand. I thought you were a sadhu. I thought you were a sadhu. What is caste to you? What does that mean? I thought you were a sadhu. And the Baba realized what had happened. And Maharaji said, he washed my feet with his tears and went back to the mountains to finish his work. Maharaji warned him. Maharaji was so soft-hearted. He did not want to see anybody suffer. And he knew what was going to happen. He warned the sadhu, no, no, don't stay with me. It's not good. I'm only with worldly people now. I'm always, no, no, don't. It's not good for you. Go away. The sadhu wouldn't leave him because of the love. Because of the love, we can't turn away. And that forces us to release all our negativity, all our bullshit, all our attachments, all our stuff, all our fears, all that stuff, because we want to be in the love. The love pulls us into it, into itself. And in order to get there, we have to let go of our stuff. There's no other way. So. Ram, 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 Ram. Namaste, everybody. Wonderful to be with you again. See you in a couple of weeks. Be well. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S dot com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation dot org. Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram.